Welcome to Executive Leaders Radio. In this hour, you'll hear directly from our region's finest business leaders. Through each of the interviews, these high-achieving leaders become relatable role models who share how they were able to build their enterprise, their personal secrets of success, about leadership styles and opportunities that lie ahead. Prepare to be inspired and entertained and to hear wisdom unheard elsewhere. Executive Leaders Radio. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio, broadcast from the law offices of Pretori Law in Tysons, Virginia. And we have a great lineup of guests here on our show today. Les, will you please give us the rundown? We have Chris Schroeder, CEO of App 47. Frank Banda, Managing Partner, Public Sector at Cohn Resnick. We have Mehdi Charkawi, COO and CFO at Fossil, And we have David Morgan, COO at STS International. Excellent. And my co-hosts today are Brian Chandler, Pretoria Law, Alex Bartholomew. How do you pronounce your last name? Bartholomew. Uh, People Stretch Solutions and Less Small Invested. Let's know our first guest, Chris Schroeder, CEO of App47. Chris, what is App47? App47 is a mobile application management company. What do you mean by that? What are you talking about? So we make it really easy for the enterprise to deploy mobile apps to customers, employees, or third-party consultants. How interesting. And how large or how small is this organization? So we've been around since 2011. Uh, we're a company of about 50 people. And where'd the venture capital come from to start this business? So my co-founder and myself uh, had a prior exit with uh, Valhalla, and they were interested in coming into this opportunity. So you guys started a previous business together with venture capitalists. Evidently, they did well, and you did well, and you went back to them a second time to get this business off the ground. Where are you from originally? Virginia Beach. And how many brothers and sisters? I have an older brother and younger sister. So you're the middle of three. And uh, w- w- when you, with this business, what do you do different than your partner? So my business partner is more of the vision marketing uh, focus. I'm more of the operations and technology side of things. Uh-huh. Interesting. So tell us, what, when you were 16 years old, you mentioned that you, were, you became a lifeguard, but you were different than some of the other lifeguards. Why was that? Well, I like to think I was uh, slightly more responsible than, than most of the other ones. So I got propelled uh, from being a lifeguard to being the head lifeguard to being the senior head lifeguard uh, rather quickly. So it's because you were a pretty responsible kind of kid, huh? All right. Brian, what are you picking up? Um, you talked earlier in the green room about how your father was a Navy pilot. That's correct. And, uh, and you yourself, you believe that you have sort of a uh, technological bent to things. Um, did, did your father help influence you in, in, in your love of technology? A- absolutely. My father and his father were, were both woodworkers, and we spent a lot of time in the garage uh, problem solving, taking things apart, learning how to build them, uh, fixing them. So, so that problem solving uh, ability came through in my technology pursuit. And, and how did you leverage that, that problem solving early on in sort of moving in the, into the technology sphere? Well, technology is all about problem solving. You know, anything that you want to do is typically either taking something that's already off the shelf and, and applying it and, and integrating it or building something completely new. It's all about problem solving. Okay. And, and you said your family members were interested in technology. I think you said your brother, your older brother, too, became a pilot as well. Yeah, he, he uh, saw the movie Top Gun and decided to sign up and uh, became an F-14 pilot. Okay, and and uh, so you, so you, you developed this basis in technology, but how did you end up going in and becoming a businessman too? Well, I wanted to push myself. I I feel like I've become an accomplished technologist and an engineer, uh, and I wanted to take that next step and push beyond just being an engineer and and being a business leader. And how do I apply that technology to the marketplace? Alex, so Chris, <clears throat> growing up in Virginia Beach, what was your go-to sport? Soccer. And what position did you play? Uh, typically sweeper or goalie. And what posi- what, is, what does that position say about your personality? I think it says a lot. It, uh, it's always it's that defensive posture. It's it's the core of the team. You you have to have defense to to win the game, um, and and that's a lot of what operations and and technology is about. Is it's the defense of the uh, of the company. Well, well, tell me a little bit more how that's translated in your leadership success. So for me we all have to understand what we are good at and what we're not as good at. And and I know that I'm good at operations and I'm good at technology and I'm good at doing these things for the company. And I partner with somebody who's good at the attack side of things, the sales, the marketing, and the vision. And bringing those things together is what makes a complete company and a team. So back in the days of soccer, when did you become a, t- a team captain? Uh, that was that was later on in you know sixteen seventeen that I, I as I matured and, and became that leader. Typ- typically, it was the guys on uh, on attack that were the the captains, but 
over time, the, the defensive players got their shots as well. So it sounds like you weren't a natural. Definitely not a natural leader. So what got you over the edge? Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's always about pushing yourself and, and gr- growing and, and being uh, more than you are today. So what, what's that got to do with your relationship with your brother? I mean, your older brother in this case. Yeah, I, I think I was always pursuing my older brother. My older brother was always more athletic than I was. He was uh, definitely in school smarter than I was. Um, so I was always pushing or, 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 or chasing that, that, that brother. And, and what happened to that chase eventually for you? So eventually I, I figured out I didn't have to. Uh, what, what do you, you know, mean? Well, it, it took a few failures and a few uh, experimentations in, in, in business uh, through, through several startups to finally figure out that I didn't have to chase. You didn't I, have to chase him? I didn't have to chase him. I could be who I am. And well, I can, how, and that's how young were you or how old were you when you found out who you were and how did you find out and what was going on? Uh, that, that was more in my 30s that that happened. Uh, and like I said, there was, a, you know, the, 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 the startup that we were successful in, there was a, several that were not successful prior to that. And there was a lot of lessons in there. there a lot of lessons in business, but also a lot of lessons in life. Those lessons in life are what uh, came to that realization that I, I didn't need to chase him. What was the last lesson in life that got you over the edge in your 30s? So in, in my 30s, you know, it was uh, it, one, one particular company. We did everything right. We built the product. We brought it to market. Everything was on schedule, but there was no sales. So there was no company. So it's, it's that, that evolution that uh, you could do everything right. You could do everything on schedule. But if you don't execute fully as a company, then there is no company. Mm, and, that, what, and what did that do to you when you found out that there was no revenue coming in the business, there was no market? And there was, what did that do to you? Well, it made me want to learn how to tackle that side. Uh, so I, I felt like I knew how to do the engineering side, but I didn't know how necessarily to do the sales, the marketing, and the business side. So of how things. you saw and, that? And that drove me to, to that quest to become just not the next propeller head CEO or CTO. I wanted to be the, the CEO. Tell us more about the propeller head comment. So I, even though I'm the CEO of, of App47, I still enjoy coding. I still enjoy the technology. I still enjoy trying to solve problems. Uh, but at the same time, I'm, I, I spend most of my time building the business. Uh, so it's, I, I consider myself still a propeller head in that I can still get on the trenches and I can still talk to the engineers. Um, but at the end of the day, my, my goal and my desire is to grow App47 into the company that it is. And that lesson came because you had built a business that really didn't become a business because there was no revenue, and you continued to want to challenge yourself, which you got used to as a kid with your older brother. Correct. Huh. Brian, what are you thinking? So is it fair to say that you know you really sort of took the same, I like to reverse engineer and problem solve sort of element to this issue about, uh, about a company that was not successful? You wanted to find out what went wrong and, and how to improve upon it? Yeah, I, I learned in that, ex- that, that lesson that, you know, engineering just simply wasn't enough. You can have a beautiful product. You can have a great product. Um, but if you don't take care of the rest of the business, uh, then there is no company. It sounds like you used the same type of engineering principles and just applied it to the business aspect. There's a problem here that I need to sort of solve as well, which is how do we deal with the sales part of it? Yeah, but I would say that I'm, I'm still learning that aspect. <laughs> That's... Mm. Uh, that's that's why I, I partner with who I, I partner with. Uh, he, that is his strong suit, uh, and and he still uh, helps out significantly on that side. But it's it's something that that we do. I would say more together and and, and work a, as a team to check all the boxes that a, that a company needs. Where did you learn the skill to do that? To work with a partner as opposed to be the top guy. Well, you had to as a lifeguard. Uh, you you couldn't manage a, a beach or a pool by yourself. You had to rely on, on your team. You had to know what people's strengths and weaknesses were. Uh, I, I don't, can't say that at, at 16 I understood that uh, in, in the way that I do today. Um, but at that time, we had to rely on each other and work as a team to, to make sure that the pool or the beach was safe. Who was making that evident? Who was making that clear to you? Uh, I, I, initially, I think it was the, the pool manager w- was sort of guiding us that way. But I think as I became the head guard and, and the senior head guard, uh, that that's when it was evident to myself that it was it was the team that made the pool safe. That it wasn't an inv- individual that would make it safe. Hmm. In the green room, you t- also talked about your mom and the impact she had. Can you sit, focus on that for a second and share what what was the biggest impact she had on you? 
Yeah, my mom was a, a Navy wife, so she was home taking care of us three kids uh, as we grew up when we, we found out what the world was about, and, and she was always there for us, and there was a lot of empathy w- from her that we learned as and all three of us, uh, and, and we try to apply that to, to our companies in the form of our employees and, and our customers. We want to understand where they're coming from and what they need and, 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 and act in a service way to fulfill them. Something you admired about her was her involvement. How's that that admiration of involvement translated later in life from leadership or fatherhood? Yeah, so she, uh, when we were growing up, all three kids were interested in soccer. There was no soccer team locally. We would have to drive 40, 50 miles away to join a soccer team. So she started a soccer league um, and, and built that up into an organization that still exists today mm-hmm. in Virginia Beach. So you learned about how to start and build an organization through your mom. What's the website address of this organization known as App47? App47.com, app47.com. Excellent. We've been speaking with Chris Schroeder, who is the CEO of App47 here on Executive Leaders Radio. Don't forget to visit our website. It's executiveleadersradio.com. Learn more about our executive leaders. We'll be back in a moment right after this break. And your name is? Ramon Parker. And Ramon, the name of the organization? Loudon Free Clinic. And you were telling me there's some something special about the Loudon Free Clinic where every dollar that goes in does something else. What was that all about? Yeah, it does something magical. So for every dollar that's donated to our clinic, we can deliver $8 worth of care. And what kind of clinic is this? Who are, you, who are you helping out? What kind of stuff do you guys do? So we're helping out those who are 18 to 64 who are uninsured and low income, 200% or below the federal poverty level. And give me this thing about the math again. Give me how that works. So essentially, I have a, a staff of 12 individuals and 128 volunteers. So with that kind of payer mix, I'm able to deliver you know, anywhere from $8 uh, in care for our patients. Because you've been able to enroll the support of so many volunteers, you're actually keeping the cost of health care down, and therefore multiplying the dollars. And making one of, it one of the best business investments for private corporations who want to invest. And didn't, ah, interesting. So private businesses and individuals can get involved. And didn't you Absolutely. tell me you had a couple of health care challenges yourself? What were they? I have. I've had four open heart surgeries, and mm-hmm. it helps me to understand what patients need. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So the idea of having been on the table or being a patient, I'm able to take a patient focus in how we deliver care differently than most people would. What do you, you learn from those experiences personally? What do you appreciate that most of us don't? I appreciate consistency. Um, I think that a, a staff at the hospital, nurses, providers, mm-hmm. parents, mm-hmm. family, all those people consistently being around me and consistently offering me hope. Uh, I'm so full of it that I have to offer that to the patients and to the staff when I'm working with them. What's the website address for the Loudon Free Clinic? Loudonfreeclinic.org. Let me have that one more time. L-O-U-D-O-U-N freeclinic.org. We've been speaking with your name again? Ramon Parker. And this has been your business spotlight. Thank you. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. And Ray, what organization are you with? Life Sciences Conference Group. And what is Life Sciences Conference Group? What do you folks do? We produce annual conferences and events for medical technology, life science, pharmaceutical companies. Uh huh. So if I go to an event, you're the folks that are working behind the scenes to make it happen? That's correct. We're the ones that make sure the food's on the table, the seats are there, soundstage and lights are there, your registration process works. And, and what kind of events are these? Are these just in the life science industry? Strictly in the life science industry. Why why do you focus on the life science industry? Uh, We found that the best way to produce a high-quality event is to really know your customer. So we don't believe in numbers. It's names. We get to know each company. We find out what their actual mission and goals are, and we find the best way to deliver the value to them. And are you doing this nationally or regionally? We do it nationally. We continue to look for international opportunities, but it's primarily here in North America. And how old is this company? Uh, the company has just finished its 10th year. And how long have you been with the company? I founded the company 10 years ago. What gave you the idea to start this company? I used to work for a big corporation, and I produced the annual event for us. And when I decided to leave, they said, thank you for giving us $150 million worth of a business, and we'll see you later. And mm-hmm. next time I decided I would keep some ownership and do it myself. Ah, so you've been, building, you've been building this ever since. What do you like about your job? I like how different it is because we mix policy, we mix business. I might be putting one CEO together with a politician. I might be putting another CEO together with an investor. Mm-hmm. And I might be putting the next person together with their next employee. How interesting. Well, what's the website address for this organization? MedTechConference.org. 
Let me have that one more time. MedTechConference.org. And the name of the organization again is? Life Sciences Conference Group. Life Sciences Conference Group. And your name is? Ray Briscuso. Ray Briscuso. We've been talking to Ray Briscuso, CEO and managing partner of Life Sciences Conference Group here on Executive Leaders Radio. This has been your business spotlight. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce Frank Banda, Managing managing partner, public sector, Cone Resnick. Frank, what is Cohen Resnick? What are you guys doing? Cohen Resnick is an accounting and advisory firm. Uh How large or how small is this organization? About $600 million a year in revenue, about 3,000 employees. Wow. Where are you from originally? I'm from Maryland. How many brothers and sisters? I have two younger sisters. And what was going on with you about nine years old? When I was nine, my parents divorced. Uh huh. And how many different schools did you go to? I was in six elementary schools and three middle schools. Uh huh. And because of all this, all these different schools and all the moving, how did you get accepted into these new groups of kids? The uh, the one thing that I enjoyed and I was uh, fairly good at it was sports. Uh-huh. So I played mm-hmm. uh, basketball, football, baseball. And, what, and, and, and in terms of baseball and basketball, what kind of positions did you play? Well, I, I played those positions that no one else wanted to play. So in baseball, I was a catcher, mm-hmm. and in basketball, I was a point guard. What, 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 what's the personality trait of the point guard that you brought to the basketball game? Uh, I, I distributed the ball um, to help the team win, and I think that's What's, what's that have to do with uh, your being the managing partner of public sector, Cone Resnick, your being the point guard of the basketball team? Well, you know— as in this role, um, my success is tied to others, and I spend really all my day looking for opportunities to help others. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Alex, what do you got? So, Frank, how young were you when you had your first job? Uh, I had a paper route when I was 10. Why did you get a paper route when you were 10? It was really the only thing that I could do at that age, um, and it was uh, available to, through a friend's father who gave me one of his routes. So why was it so important to make money at, at such an early age? Well, my mom's single mom, and uh, if wanted anything extra, we had, to, we had to make it happen. We had to make it happen for ourselves. Well, what did you do with the money? I just I l- had to live off of it. So if it, it meant helping the house, I gave it to mom. If, it was, um, if I wanted to do something other than you know, what we normally paid our expenses with, I had to make it happen. Brian? Uh, Frank, I think you mentioned also that you later got a job in a restaurant. Is that right? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did there? So I was uh, originally, when I was 15, I was washing dishes, and then I got, uh, I was asked to, to start making pizzas, and then I was asked to start um, becoming the chef of the restaurant. So what did, what did you learn from that experience? Um, I learned uh, how to juggle a lot and to really time things. So you had to, to do a lot of things, but you had to deliver all the orders on time. And how does that play into your current role uh, as, as a managing uh, member of an accounting firm? So I, I juggle a lot of things, a lot, uh, a lot of personnel things, a lot of client things, uh, business development things. And, um, you know, I really enjoy it quite a bit because I guess I've been able to kind of see the, the bigger picture um, through all of my experiences. And I'm able to take all those different things and uh, mm-hmm. and make you know the business. Lester, happen. what are you thinking? Yeah, I want to come back to mom. You said your parents divorced at nine, um, and it sounds like your mom had a big influence on you. So, what exactly was the influence, and how does it show up for you now? My mom uh, is today still a hairdresser, and she has an unbelievable work ethic, and and she taught me the value of hard work, and also taking care of yourself. And she's she swims every day, and um, you know I, I've I've learned a lot through. My from my mom over the years. I mean, she could stop working with all the money you're probably making, right? Well, y- y- don't tell her that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but why doesn't she? Um, she has a lot of uh, pride in herself. She likes taking care of herself, both financially and physically, and and she likes helping others. So it gives her the opportunity to do that. So how does that become part of the way you lead today? Um, you know, I think that the, the best way to lead other people is to, to help them be successful. And the best way for our company to be successful is to, to, to help others. So I help uh, the people that we work with, help our clients. And the only way to really scale a business is to be able to scale mass, uh, excuse me, to help a lot of people. And you learned that from your mom? I think that serving others is in my DNA. 
and um, I enjoy it. I think I'm actually very good at it, and I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. Mm-hmm. Did Mama own the hairdresser? I'm sorry. Did Mama own her own hairdresser? No, no. She, um, you know, she's always worked sal- for salons. And what did you learn from that modality of working for others? How did that impact you? Well, my mom still to today works on commission and the way it impacted me is I did not want to work on commission. I wanted to be rewarded for the work that I was doing early on in my career. But now as I have, uh, you know, you know, gotten through my, uh, gone through my career and, and I realized that, um, now I'm being compensated based on my outcome. So I'm kind of doing the same thing as my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. What, what do you enjoy about your job, Frank? I really do enjoy um, solving complex problems. Um, Who's complex problems? What kind of complex? Who, whose problems are you talking about? Two problems for our clients and for our business. Our business is only successful in our ability to grow. Um, there's a lot of competition out there. So I see that as a problem, but also opportunities. So I enjoy tackling those opportunities. Our clients come to us with a lot of complex problems. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular after Katrina, the state of Mississippi uh, had to distribute about $3 billion to 40,000 citizens that lost their homes. Um, that was a huge problem that we helped them solve mm-hmm. and ensuring that, uh, the pop- that the population got the benefits that they needed to recover from so, Katrina. So what did you learn from your mom's hairdressing that has anything to do with building this business? Um, what I've learned is that um, in order to be successful, you have to serve people. Um, in order to do it on a large scale, you've got you've to help a lot of people. Where does the confidence come to do that? Because when you move around as much as you've moved around, when you go through a divorce and you're the oldest of three kids, yes, uh, you, you take a lot of responsibility or can take a lot of responsibility on. So where does the confidence come from? Um, I didn't really have a lot of confidence growing up. Um, I didn't even think about it that way. I was just grinding and trying to um, survive. And um, and I think I've gained confidence over the years, but I still am a grinder. I mean, every day uh, I show up and, and work hard and, and try to make things happen. You're not coasting. No, no. It sounds like you're a little anxious about security. Um, I've always, um, I've been more anxious about being stagnant and and not growing as a person and as a professional. What are you, what are you talking about? What's that feeling? What do you mean? Um, when when I was when earlier in my career, um, I didn't progress as fast as I thought um, I would, and until um, I got the opportunity at Cone Resnick, I really felt like you know I should have been further along in my career. But the opportunity that this firm is the opportunities this firm has given me has really helped me uh, grow personally and professionally. Go back to what before Cone Resnick. Why did you think you should be farther along in your career? Um, I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't earning as much money as I wanted to earn. Um, I I wanted to have a make a bigger difference in 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 the companies that I was working so you, for. So you got a lot of drive inside of you. I'd like to think I do. And how young were you when that was showing up? Um, I, I think when I reflect back, um, probably when I took that first uh, paper route. Yeah, I was going to say because, you know, you, you had to step up. You know, you, you, your words earlier in the green room when we were talking were, you know, you know you had to make it happen. It's like, wow, how does a 12-year-old kid know that? And then what was fascinating is what you did with the money as opposed to buying a bike. He went to support the house. What's the website address of this organization known as Cone Resnick? It's ConeResnick.com. How do you spell that? C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K.com. We've been speaking with Frank Banda, Managing Partner, Public Sector, Cone Resnick, here on Executive Leaders Radio. Want help building your business with help from this show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues... Because our CEOs have been there and done that. They've succeeded in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues 
because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. And your name is? Jeff Lawson. And Jeff, what organization are you with? I'm with Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And what do you guys do? What kind of stuff are you doing that's special? Well, we manage uh, conference centers and hotels, and we're currently managing the National Conference Center in Leesburg, Virginia. National Conference Center. How large or how small is this organization? Um, the conference center itself is 900 rooms in size, 350,000 square feet of meeting space, dining facilities for 850, uh, exercise facility all set on 61 acres of land. Wow, this is a large organization, isn't it? It is, very large. Uh-huh. And what's your role in the organization? I'm the general manager, and I have oversight of the uh, property and all the hospitality services that occur. Well, wh- what's the general manager supposed to do with this large facility? Make sure I have a, make sure eight executive community members and a, and a full uh, staff of 210 do their daily jobs. So how many folks do you have running through your halls on a weekly basis or daily basis or annual basis? What's that look like? Well, on a weekly basis on a full house, we'll have uh, 900 per night, um, seven nights, uh, 6,300, which translates to about 20,000 meals a week. Wow. And uh, your job, are you working nine to five or do you end up having to work evenings and early mornings and weekends and stuff like that? No, I'd say I'm always on duty. Uh-huh. Do you, wh- what do you enjoy about your job? Meeting people, working with some of the finest hospitality people in Virginia, which is my team, and meeting our clients because they're wonderful. So you're helping your clients plan their events? Well, we help plan. Uh, they are there for some form of education that goes on in one end of our business, and at the other end of our business, they're there for social catering events, uh, weddings and such. So you're, you're, well, you're running a 24 by 7 facility, aren't you? We are. Uh-huh. What's the website address of this organization? Conferencecenter.com. Let me have that again. Conferencecenter.com. And your name again is? Jeff Lawson. And the name of the organization? Lakota Hotels and Resorts. And this has been your Business Spotlight. I'm Tina Leone. I'm the CEO of the Boston Business Improvement District. And what is the Boston Business Improvement District? We work to attract, support, and connect the most compelling, creative, and ambitious minds in our region. Boston is known as an epicenter for research and discovery. Uh, Some of the greatest things that are invented, such as the MRI, the barcode, the internet, the first satellite, all were either conceived, funded, or developed by organizations here in Boston. How, how old is this organization? We're just, just shy of six years old. How long have you been there? How long have you been uh, there? Almost six years as well. Did you found this organization? Yes, I, I am the founding CEO. Why did you do that? Well, they, the, the organization actually came about uh, by the commercial property owners in why, Boston. Why, why, why does it turn you on? Why does your gig turn you on? <laughs> people. I mean, we the, the, the ability to connect people, and then who knows the next great idea is going to result from that. We have incredible minds in the Washington, D.C. area, and Boston is, as I said, the epicenter for the smartest people in this area. So your job, you're like the master connector. I feel like the mayor of, of Boston, the mayor of innovation, because that's uh-huh. what's happening. So your, idea, your, your thought is, in order to create more stuff, in order to launch more businesses, in order to cause more good, it's a matter of connecting exactly. the right people. Exactly. And you like being in the middle of all that I, stuff. Oh, we love it. We love it. And simple things, just connecting people through events through art uh, through a happy hour mm-hmm. you don't know what's going to come out of that mm-hmm. that's what's exciting so it's all about the people and you're the uh, you're the founder of this organization is this a nine to five kind of job oh, for you? hell no it's a lot longer uh-huh. than that baby so do you have to you have to work the weekends and stuff yeah, like that sure sure let me have the website address of this sure, organization bid.com and, and you can download boston connect mobile app let me have uh, let me have that website address one more bostonbid.com it's B-A, give me the spelling on that. B-A-L-L-S-T-O-N-B-I-D.com. Excellent. And your name again is? Tina Leone. And the name of the organization? Is the Balsam Business Improvement District. And this has been your Business Spotlight back in a moment. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. And we'd like to introduce Mehdi Charkawi, who is the COO and CFO of an organization known as FACIL. What is FACIL? What are you guys doing, Mehdi? We're a government services contractor uh-huh. specialized in IT. How large or how small is this organization? We have about 700 people. That's a large organization. And where are you from originally? Uh, Born in Paris, grew up in Casablanca, Morocco. Paris and Casablanca. How many brothers and sisters? Uh, One sister. She's older than me. One older sister. All right, Les. Uh, uh, What kind of sports were you playing as a a kid? Horseback riding and mainly rugby. Uh, And what was your role in the rugby team? I was right in the middle of the pack. What does that mean? Always ready for a good fight. Ready for a good fight. What's that got to do with what you do now? What do you mean, ready for a good fight? 
Um, I guess I moved to America about 14 years ago and uh, I could barely speak English. Today I'm the CEO and CFO of a large organization, so mm-hmm. it has taken a lot of you know, fighting and never to give up and those You mean literally things. fighting or, or a different kind of fighting? Different kind of fighting. What kind of fighting? Um, never to give up. Never to give keep up. Keep pushing. Alex? Mehdi, uh, w- tell us about your parents. What did they do? Uh, mom was a dermatologist, is still a dermatologist. Uh, father was a surgeon. Both doctors? How come you're not a doctor? Um well, when I was a teenager, wanted to uh, have an identity of my own, wanted to do something that my parents didn't know anything about, and that was economics, finance, accounting, and so forth. Uh-huh. Brian, why don't you go with your questions? Uh, so your, your, your parents are both physicians, um, but you decided to take a different route. Uh, did you have any jobs growing up or, or starting business growing up, which sort of maybe you were, you were able to express this business instinct? It's not a job per se, but I found a way to make money. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the way you found to make money? Well, uh, my older sister was always in need of of money, so I figured that if I could find some money to lend to her, I could make a profit. And so, so what did you do? Well, I sold stuff <laughs> that people wanted, and then got some some cash to start and lended money to my sister for. Uh, an interest or profit and uh, I figured that if I could do that with my sister I can do it with other people and and have a nice profit. What type of things did you sell? Stuff, garment, clothes, shoes, mm-hmm. whatever people wanted. And uh, and so you you started you started a, a, a effectively a primitive bank, right? Yeah, you can you can see that that way. Yes. And, h- and how many people did you you loan money out to? I, at one point I have about uh, 30 debtors. Okay. And then um, and so did this, did this sort of drive you to, to say, hey, maybe I have a, a career in finance? Absolutely. I mean, uh, my love of, uh, you know, deals and shaking and baking, I think, drove me to M&A, which drove me to uh, become a CFO and then ultimately a COO. And what did you also did you learn from your experience in, in running this business in, in Morocco? Um, I learned a few things about myself. Uh, I guess at some point I realized that uh, it wasn't a, a sustainable business, or at least not what I wanted to do in the long run. Um, and I, uh, you know, quickly redirected my career to uh, something that is more. How, how'd you get in a line. sense? How'd you get a sense it wasn't what you wanted to do in the long run? Um, well, at, at one point in time, uh, one of my uh, one of my debtors uh, was you actually you actually told us that you got you, you know around the age of sixteen you began thinking differently. What was what was your vision at the age of sixteen? Where'd that vision come from? So, so that's the story I was going to say, which is that uh, when I was sixteen, I lended money to someone who couldn't pay. He paid me with um, you know a, a rug from his his house, and uh, his father uh, became aware of it. I had a tough conversation with him. He told me in so many words that I was not a good person, and that made me realize that uh, you know lending money to uh, thirty people or forty people or whatever was not a career in its own in itself. And uh, I decided to focus on my studies and uh, become an executive in a company. Now, one of the key things that you mentioned at that time, shortly thereafter. Your dad passed. That's that's correct. So, and, and how da- did his passing impact you from your career decisions? Yeah. So my, my dad passed when I was uh, when I was nineteen, and it further uh, strengthened my my belief that uh, uh, you know I have to focus on um, studying and earning a degree, and then uh, make a be a be a good person and focus on my family and what I want to do. What. what what in being a, uh, a money lender, if you will, what in uh, you know, finding your own identity has to do with the things that you do today, not in terms of the job itself, but how you actually hold yourself out to others? Um, I don't know how to answer that question. Okay, so <laughs> in, in the role that you're in, the executive role, you're leading other people. So what from those experiences do you use now? Um, I think it's more um, how to make deals happen, um, how to um, find ways to to make money. So you're always operating out of that mode? Correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And people trust you with it? Absolutely. I am a trustworthy person. Mm -hmm. You talked about making a transition from 
fighting to hustling. Uh, and you cited it, it was in sports, and certainly this story about uh, ending your micro lending business. <laughs> Tell us about how the difference between fighting and hustling as a leader. Uh, so, so as a leader today, um, I think you have to uh, to be ethical, to watch out for for others, and uh, I guess the difference between um, fighting and hustling is that. Um, you know, you focus on, on serving others and leading an organization and doing things that are in the best interest of uh, the organization as opposed to in your best interest. Mm-hmm. Manny, wh- wh- what's the best part of your job? It sounds like what you're, uh, what you're doing day in and day out is trying to figure out opportunities for the company to make more money and make those deals happen. Am I correct about that? Uh, that's that's absolutely correct, it yes. It sounds I like mean you identified at the age of 14 what you could buy and sell. It's the same kind of stuff identifying where the market is, where the opportunities are, where the margins are? I, th- I think it's more that uh, when I was uh, 16 years old, uh, I learned how to be quick on my feet, uh, count faster than anybody else, and then apply uh, that skill set to um, you know, how to make money. And today I apply the same skill set um, that I learned then mm-hmm. to uh, being a leader in an organization. Oh, so you're pretty driven, huh? I am. When you, how, how young were you when you came to the United States? I was about 28. Uh-huh. You come here alone or with your family? That is correct, you yes. Ca- you came here alone? Yes. Uh-huh. Were you married at the time? I was married. Uh-huh. And when you came to the States, were you working? Did you come here with a job? Yes, I did. I, uh, I was a senior accountant in a, an accounting firm. So you were a senior accountant in an accounting firm, and now you're the CFO and CEO of a 700-person business. That is correct, yes. Uh-huh. So you've got a lot of drive in order to advance to this level. I would like to think so. Uh-huh. What time do you start doing your emails in the morning? Um, around 6 a.m. Uh-huh. What time do you stop doing them at night? Around 10 p.m. Uh-huh. And uh, when you wake up in the morning, do you have dreams about solving problems in the business? Yes. How about the weekends? Do you ever have to work weekends? Um, sometimes, yes. Oh, you get paid extra for doing that? Uh, no. Why do you bother doing it? Well, because I want to serve my company. I want mm-hmm. to be there for uh, mm-hmm. my fellow employees and uh, who, who for had my clients. The, who had the drive, mom or dad? Um, I'd say probably both of them. What do you uh, mean? So mom was uh, probably a little bit more aggressive. My father had this calmness about him, but they were equally driven. Mm-hmm. How's yeah. that calmness helped you as a leader? Uh, let's see. Um, so I know how to be uh, composed and, um, you know, apply, um, I guess, that calmness to tough situations. What's the last tough situation where that calmness really paid? Well, I guess that has something to do when it comes to a negotiation. You're able to see the whole chessboard out in front of you, don't you? That's absolutely right. Uh And in order to uh, move the chess pieces around, you understand emotionally how to act. That is correct. So in other words, you're the kind of poker player where people can't read your face. Um, That's that would be a good way to put it. Yeah, I figured that. (laughs) Uh, So you married or single? Married. You have any kids? Two kids. Uh huh. What's the similarity between being a COO and being a dad? Um, I guess it requires me to be quick on my feet and understand uh, the situation with my kids and know how to speak to them. Is there really a similarity there or am I putting words in your mouth between being a CEO and being a dad? Uh, I think uh, there are some similarities, but not that, uh-huh. that many. Uh-huh. And at home, who wears the pants in the family, you or your wife? I think it's it's a partnership. It's uh-huh. Is that because your wife's liable to be listening to the interview? <laughs> you're telling me that? Uh, n- no, not not necessarily. Uh, I I just view it as a we've been together for 19 years, and uh, the reason why we've we're still together is because we view it as a partnership. Uh huh. So you you like partnerships? You like making deals that work? Yes, absolutely. So a good deal is a deal that works. <laughs> and it's not, so it's not a matter of win-lose, it's a matter of win-win. That is correct, yes. Uh-huh. I, ah, that's what happened with the money lending business when you were a kid because it, was, it looked like it was a win-lose. And you, I see, you like a win-win. That's right. What's the website address of this organization known as it's, uh, Fasil? It's Fasil.com, P-H-A-C-I-L.com. Let me have that one more time. P-H-A-C-I-L.com, Fasil.com. We've been speaking with Mehdi Tarkawi who is COO and CFO at Facile here on Executive News Radio. Back in a moment right after this break.
And your name is? Tia Flick. And Tia, what, what organization are you with? Wear Aware. And uh, what is Wear Aware? What do you guys do? We're a digital agency. Mm-hmm. And what's your specialty in the agency? I focus on search and analytics. Search and analytics. What are you talking about? What do you mean? So that's uh, how you show up organically in Google. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pay-per-click. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then how to measure all of that. Now, there's only certain certain kinds of businesses that should be worrying about that stuff, right? Nope. Everyone should be worrying about it. Tell us a little bit about what types of clients and what kinds of industries you've been able to help. We work across a broad range of industries. Um, so we work with everyone, local companies mm-hmm. who might do air conditioning and HVAC. Mm-hmm to really large companies that you might have heard of, like Pitney Bowes. Mm -hmm. And you're helping these folks, your specialty in the firm is helping them with a digital strategy? Yes, so I I specifically focus on uh, all their search needs. Mm -hmm. What what, what do you like about that gig? Well, the the industry is moving at a lightning fast speed, Mm -hmm. and I love being able to help our clients guide through that chaos that's happening. So you come up with creative ideas and present these ideas to them regarding how to get them results from search and all that other kinds of stuff. That's correct. And you got to keep involved with them because there's so many things changing all the time, it sounds like. Yes, constantly. Hmm. Doesn't that frighten you, all that change? Oh, I think it's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I, I love mm-hmm. the constant pace of change. What's the website address for the organization? It's wearaware.com. Let me have that again. Wearaware.com, W-H-E-R-E-O-W-A-R-E.com. We've been speaking with your name again is? Tia Flick. And this has been your business spotlight. And your name and organization? Tanya Laterman with Blue Tree Digital. And, and what does Blue Tree Digital do for its clients? We are a full-service digital marketing firm based in Reston, Virginia, and we help small businesses, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits grow their marketing dreams. So your role in the company is what? I'm the managing director of client service. So your job is to do what kind of stuff? So I match clients with their marketing needs, and I assemble the right team to help get results right away. So give me an example of who some of your clients are. What kind, what kind of businesses are they or nonprofits or whatever? Sure. We have businesses in all industries. We help government contractors. We help apartment complexes. We help IT companies. We help businesses in all industries, both large and small. So you're helping these businesses figure out their digital strategy? Exactly. So we do everything from creating the digital strategy to implementing it to serving as a full service marketing department when they don't have enough marketing expertise on staff. Uh huh. And you're sitting and you're talking to these folks up front and then through the course of time to keep figuring out, considering all the stuff that's happening digital, how they can stay on top of it? Exactly. It's very relationship based, which is sometimes hard to come by now that everything is digitally based. Uh-huh. People tend to forget about the relationships and it's very important to keep them strong. What do, what, do you enjoy, what do you enjoy most about your job? Um, the thing I enjoy most about my job, it's a very collaborative environment, both across our team and with the clients. I really love the look on their face when I give a presentation and they see the results of the efforts really coming to fruition. Well, when it really hits them, that it makes a lot of sense. It does. Uh-huh. It's very satisfying across the board. What, what's the website address of this organization? BlueTreeDigital.com. Let me have that one more time. BlueTreeDigital.com. And your name again is? Tanya Laterman. In the name of the organization? Blue Tree Digital. Gotcha. This has been your business spotlight. Want help building your business with help from the show's CEOs? Our CEOs can help you uncover more opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money. All the big issues because our CEOs have been there and done that. Succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. And some are available to advise you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. The same CEOs you've heard on the show for 10 years may be willing to help you build your business, uncover new opportunities, grow your sales, connect you, help you raise money, all the big issues, because our CEOs have been there and done that, succeeding in creating millions of jobs and earning millions of dollars. Some of the CEOs who have appeared on our shows over the last 10 years may be willing to help you grow Assuming you've ser- you're serious about your success, serious about your own success, because it all starts with the leader. If you're serious about creating your own successful business or truly committed to putting your nose to the grindstone and doing whatever it takes to make your business successful, 
We may be able to match you with successful CEOs who have created millions of jobs and earned millions of dollars to help you create your success. We've established unique relationships with a unique universe of over 7,000 CEOs who have created substantial wealth for their companies, their teams, and themselves. These women and men get the build in their blood and often continue to start and build businesses even after they've created substantial wealth for themselves because they love the challenge of building a business. Perhaps we can present you and your business to some of these CEOs to gain their interest in helping you. Now, email mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. That's mentors at executiveleadersradio.com to hopefully match you with some of the CEOs we've had on the show for the last 10 years. Mentors at executiveleadersradio.com. We're back. You're listening to Executive Leaders Radio. This is your host, Herb Cohen. We'd like to introduce David Morgan, who is the COO of STS International. David, what is STS International? STS is a defense contracting firm, uh, predominantly an Army organization, and does systems integration. And how large or how small is this organization? We're about 150 people now, $90 million. Uh How did you get a job with this company? A Uh co-founder. When did you co-found it? Uh, Early 90s, 92, 93. Uh And where did you grow up? I was a military brat. was born here in Bethesda and uh, moved around most of my life. Uh How many different schools did you go to? Uh, A lot. Five schools in five years at one point. Uh-huh. How many brothers and sisters? Uh, I'm the second of four, two brothers and one sister. Uh-huh. The second of four. All right, good. Uh, Brian, what do you got? Yeah, tell us a little bit about your um, your, your father. Um, you said earlier that he was a career infantryman. Yeah, I mean, he was born in the coal country of Kentucky, uh, grew up very, very poor, uh, lived in a, in a small shack with uh, his entire family, and then uh, left early from high school and went to West Point and then became an Army officer and served a career there. And then he went all the way to retirement? Yeah, he retired from there and then went into industry working in secure communications. Okay, and what did you learn um, for, you know, when it comes to business instincts from your, your father? Because your father took a, a, a military career, which was a bit more, I guess, linear. Um, but you, I think you said later on he, he actually went into business himself. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing I learned most from my father was the, uh, the ability to persevere. Right. He was the uh, king of being able to never take a no. He was always able to find a yes, to find a solution, and to grind consistently until you could get success. Okay. And, uh, and, and how, did you, how did you sort of leverage those skills going forward? Well, we all worked in the business together, right? So it's a very much of a family effort. Um, my younger brother joined the company uh, a couple of years after I was in it. And uh, it's always been about trying to build a team and continue to move forward with the company, even through adversity. Alex? David, how young were you when you had your first job? I was 13, 14 years old. Whose idea was that? I think it was a joint idea from my parents and myself. Why was it important for you? Well, there was a time to earn some money and then earn responsibility. Well, tell me about the responsibility. Well, I started off uh, with that job as a uh, paper delivery boy for the Washington Post. And, you know, we had to get up early in the morning and deliver the papers before we had to go to school and on the weekends, and you know, sometimes as a young child, you don't get up on time to do it, and so we had to work together as a family to, to deliver all the papers. It's you're the one with the job. Why is anybody helping you? Well, it had to get done, and that was part of the whole mantra of how we run the business today. Everything has to get done, and it can't all be done by one person. So my father would step in, or my mother would step in, and help us deliver the papers and make the route, which was a pretty large route and long distances. Okay, so how'd you do in school? I was just an average student. So where'd you spend all your time? Uh, I did a, I did a lot working. I did play sports. I played football, and then a lot of time with family. Now you mentioned another key family member, um, your mom's sister. Yeah. Tell me about the influence they had on you. So my aunt Joyce and uncle Frank um, were uh, very close to us. They live in the area as well, and they have a large family. So we spent a lot of time together. Tell me about uncle Frank. Well, so uh, Frank was a, a story from the uh, generation of World War II. was in Normandy and then uh, did a career in the CIA. So what's the one thing you learned from Frank that you've carried forward in the business? Perseverance, honesty, teamwork. Didn't you tell us you had a lot of respect for him? Tremendous amount of respect. Um, he was one of those strong, silent types. Um, but when you got him to talk, the stories were incredible. So you... you, you respect people you really respect people that are humble and that get things done yeah i mean it's pretty deep inside of you 
Yeah, I think respect, humility is one of the greatest aspects of leadership. You, what, give me that again. What are you talking about? To be a leader, you have to respect everybody else on the team. To, to be selfish and to try and draw attention to yourself and try to uh, make it more than what it is, to me, is not a leader. Where'd you learn that? Uh, from my family. What do you mean? Well, all of them led in their own ways. I mean, leaders don't necessarily have to be the focal point of attention. So where do you, where'd you find your voice in all that? Since you were not the oldest and you weren't the youngest and dad had this career. I was sort of the middle of the pack grinder that had to hold it all together. What do you mean? So my older brother was the athlete, the rebel. My uh, younger brother was the quiet, introspective one. And I was the one that sort of sat in the middle trying to make it all work. Why did you feel like you had to make it work? I didn't feel like I had to. I think it was just part of the responsibility that I had. I mean, everybody has a role in an organization, and that was mine. What's that have to do? What's your role in the family have to do with the role you play in their business? Is there a correlation there between who you were then and who you is now? Oh, absolutely. What's the correlation there? What are you talking about? So. My job now is similar to what it was when the family, when I was growing up. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of trying to make all the things happen to pull the glue together, which is, I think, indicative of what an operations person does. So you're telling me you haven't changed much since you were a kid. Well, a little bit heavier, a little bit bolder, but <laughs> other than that, yeah. But fundamentally, the role you took in the family is the role you're taking nowadays. It's really who you are. I mean, you really are a respectful and responsible individual. I mean, I read the newspapers. The reason this is interesting to me is, you know, you read the newspapers about CEOs and COOs and they're crooks and they steal. It's like, you're just not built that way. No, you can't do it. I think the community overall in business, let alone in the federal government space, is way too small. Reputation and respect is everything to me. Give me that again. Reputation and respect is everything to me. Yeah, You can't go too far in any part of business without knowing somebody who may know you. So I am one of the true attributes that I try to promote every single day in the company is transparency. You've got to put your feelings on the table, express on who you are, what your expectations are, and then you have to re- be able to produce on those huh. over and over and over again. What influence did your mom have on that? That was my mom's mantra her, her entire life. Very what co- was? Uh, she was a very compassionate, uh, empathetic person, but she created the environment to allow trust and respect within the family. What was that? What's the website address of this organization known as STS International? STSINT.com. Let me have that one more time. STSINT.com. Uh, we've been speaking to David Morgan, CEO of STS International. Les, can you give us a rundown on who else we've had the opportunity of speaking with? Uh, Chris Schroeder, CEO of App47. Frank Banda. Managing Partner, Public Sector, Cohn Resnick. Mehdi Charkawi, COO and CFO at Fossil, and David Morgan, COO, STS International. Excellent. I'd like to thank my co-hosts, including Brian Chandler from Pretoria Law. Alex, how do you pronounce your last name? Bartholomus. Who is People Stretch Solutions and Les Small and Vistage for giving me a hand structuring the questions. He'll be providing our listening audience an educational and entertaining show our host, Pretori Law and Tysons. Could you uh, give us your website address? Uh, that's PretoriLaw.com, P-R-O-T-O-R-A-E-L-A-W.com. And Alex, your website address? PeopleStretch.com, P-E-O-P-L-E-S-T-R-E-T-C-H.com. And Les, your, your website? Vistage.com. And don't forget to visit our website, ExecutiveLeadersRadio.com, to learn more about our executive leaders. Thank you for joining us today, and do have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to Executive Leaders Radio, the region's premier radio show highlighting local executive leaders. We hope you've enjoyed the show here on 1500 AM. You can learn more about Executive Leaders Radio by visiting executiveleadersradio.com or tune in next time right here on 1500 AM. That's executiveleadersradio.com.